0: This is Corolla Digital.
1: Hello, my little gooseberries. It's me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode. Before the show with Jim Florentine, who is awesome, uh, starts officially, believe we have time to chat a little bit. And I think we have an iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. It's possible this one was chosen because I think it'll be amusing to hear Gary read it. Or maybe it was just random.
2: Isn't that the case every week? Yes. Uh, Some more than others, though. This one is titled I Love A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, and it's by The Coob. I've listened to the show since the beginning and have enjoyed it since its inception. I've enjoyed listening to Allison since she first came on The Adam Carolla Show when they were auditioning for a new news gal. She was my pick from the beginning. Allison has a great voice and is second to none when it comes to interviewing skills that pay the bill.
1: <laughs> oh, good. I was worried that you weren't going to really commit to it, Gary, and I was worried you were just going to slide right by it. But I'm glad to see that my fears were unfounded.
2: <laughs> I highly recommend this podcast to anyone who likes witty banter and deep, excellent interviews. Oh, and Gary is cool, too.
1: Since you're cool, could you just say that again?
2: Uh, Yeah, let's see here. Allison has a great voice and is second to none when it comes to interviewing skills that pay the bills.
1: <laughs> Did he write something in, in a print? Did he write sorry or something? Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, the Coob. When someone's name has a "th" in it, I don't know if I should use that when I address them. The Gary, what do you think?
2: I would never put that as my name. So, but I if don't you know. were, but if you were the Coob, no, I would you know, address these people the way they chose the name. All
1: right. The Coob, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And so does Gary. He is cool. All righty, I think you guys will enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed talking to Jim Florentine. Um, it was funny and it was um, it was uh, poignant and actually sad and I think therapeutic at times. I don't want to give everything away, but um, but get ready for quite a. I was gonna say roller coaster ride, but that is really cliche. Trying to think what's a better thing than a roller coaster ride. Not a Ferris wheel ride, because that's super boring and um, scary at times. You guys let me know. What is the appropriate metaphor? And uh, be nice. But first, I have to tell you guys that our good friends, oh, about our good friends, excuse me, over at Sherry's Berries, as you well know, Mother's Day is coming up. And if you're like me, you're thinking. Crap! I gotta get something. What I was, I was gonna say—you're thinking, oh, what should I get my delightful mother? But I—I uh, I tend to put things off, like so many of us, and so I'm always thinking, oh, oh, here comes this holiday that I had to get something for. Well, don't have it be a stressful thing. Have it be a chance to give your mother something wonderful. I recommend sherry's berries they are big juicy gigantic strawberries dipped in chocolate There's milk chocolate white chocolate dark chocolate some are have nuts on them or chocolate chips or swizzle or they do all sorts of amazing things with chocolate and berries and they look great and they taste even better i defy you to keep a box around i've tried it i can't do it first day, i'm just like i'll just have one i'll just nibble on this other one and then then before long i'm uh, I'm thinking, it's time to order more Sherry's Berries, and your mom will love them. I guarantee it. Giant freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries starting at $19.99. That's over 40% savings. Go to berries.com, click on the microphone, and type in best friend. For my listeners, that's you guys double the berries for just $10 more. Here's the only way to get this amazing Mother's Day deal. Visit berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in Best friend. Hurry, this offer ends soon, so order today. I also want to tell you guys about pro flowers. Nothing says Happy Mother's Day more than a beautiful bouquet of roses. Pro flowers, I have them. I have them in my house right now. And I've said this before, it's amazing because the kind of flowers that you pay too much for at the, well, wherever, the corner store, wherever you get them, they're they're pretty when you pay too much for them and then you bring them home and like four hours later they're wilting. Pro flowers, that is not the case. They stay vibrant and they stay beautiful and alive for longer than you would think is possible. They might outlive me, who knows? ProFlowers has one dozen rainbow roses plus a free glass vase for $19.99 or double the roses and get chocolates for just $29.98. You just need my code BESTFRIEND when you order to get these special prices. So the only way to get this amazing Mother's Day deal is to go to proflowers.com, click on the microphone in the top right corner, and type in BESTFRIEND. That's me. I'm your best friend. That's proflowers.com, microphone, best friend. Order now. The special pricing ends soon. Hey you guys, here is the episode with Jim Florentine. I want to remind you on Thursday, maybe you already know, I suspect you already know, but I'll reach now I'm just that person who's telling you something you already know, but Thursday's episode is special, Gary, me, and you guys episode, so make sure to download that one as well. But right now, I'm getting ahead of myself, right now, here's the episode with Jim Florentine. I love you guys. Allison, Rosie, Allison. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It's me, Allison Rosen, and I'm here with Jim Florentine of the Comedy Metal Midgets podcast and a zillion other things. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing?
0: It's been a while.
1: It has been. Like a year? Over a year?
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So you are in town. Well, you're in town, but, but are you in town for work?
0: Yeah. We, I, I host a show on uh, VH1 Classic called That Metal Show. Mm-hmm. So we tape all the episodes out here. So I'm in town for like another week.
1: Okay, so you do you come out here often then to do that show? Like
0: every three months, come out for like two weeks.
1: Would it be easier for you to just live out here?
0: Um, maybe. <laughs> I like New Jersey, where I'm from. I'm East Coast guy. Right. You know, so uh, I got a wife and a and a young a young child. So we got family around in the area, so that helps. Mm-hmm. That's why I want to stay there. Fifteen dollars an eight a uh, baby's fifteen dollars an hour for a babysitter. I'll stay in Jersey.
1: Wait, that's what it is there or here. I don't know kids, it is. So. Yeah, that's
0: what it is there, but it's fifteen bucks. I mean I'm you know, it used to be like three. Right. I thought I'd get, you know, maybe five bucks. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. What you it know, is I wonder what it is out here though.
0: It's probably about the same rate. Right. So I would say something like that.
1: Yeah. I remember when I babysat, I feel like I started at like two fifty an hour. What a bunch of bullshit.
0: Yeah, and these are like high school kids that do it. They're like, mm-hmm. No, the rate's fifteen. I'm like no taxes 15? i want to send him a 1099 at the end of the year <laughs> yeah did you ever babysit no no one trusts me around their kids
1: really well sometimes i'm blown away by the way that people will trust like well i think my mom left us with a really mature 12 year old and she was she was good she was fine but what can a 12 year old do in any kind of emergency
0: how many was she watching
1: me just me and my sister
0: okay yeah but still, yeah that's a little young 12 right Yeah, my niece is twelve, and she's got to. Someone else has to be there in the house if she's going to babysit. Mm
1: -hmm. So, oh right, like a provisional, like your uh, your learner's permit, like yeah,
0: something like that. Yeah, that's a little young, right? You know, because something happens, you can't jump in a car and go. You know, exactly. Take them to the doctor or something.
1: And I have this memory of playing a game that I really never ever play anymore: hide and go seek or sardines. Been a long time. Have you ever played sardines?
0: I don't know sardines. Some
1: people don't know of sardines and okay, so sardines is where there's a group of you and one person No, you you count, everyone closes their eyes and counts, and then everyone goes and hides and No? Gary, do you know this game? Oh great. I'm I'm all alone. I'm like alone on an ice floe that's melting with some made up game that may be made up or isn't. No, it it is real, though. OK.
0: So when you hid, then what did you do? Like, what was...
1: As soon as one person finds another one, you hide together. And then the next person, like, it it turns into everyone hiding together. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. And then the last person... Or is there someone who's it the whole time? I think the last person to find everyone then is it. Stop laughing at me. This, OK, here's the thing. I've had a debate with people before. I'm very good at telling stories, in case you haven't noticed. Um, I know that I got into a debate with someone where I'm like, this game exists, and he had never heard of it. And And then I was like, just ask anyone. And then he asked other people, and they had also not heard of it. And I thought, maybe I dreamt this up. How strange. But then I was just rereading The Great Gatsby, and they talk about this game in that book. And I'm not that old.
0: But did they make it up in the book?
1: No, because they don't even explain it.
0: Okay. They just
1: re- re- they just make a blithe reference to it as if everyone knows. I s- people who are listening, listeners, sardines, did you ever play it? Anyway, though, we were playing sardines or hide and go seek and the 12-year-old babysitter stepped on a um a a, a hook that you would hook a Christmas ornament on the tree yeah. with, and it like went through her toe. It is it's an awful memory of something that happened to a babysitter.
0: Did the game end after that? <laughs> oh, you yeah. probably found her because she was screaming.
1: Right. Maybe that's why I can't remember how to play the game. I've been traumatized. That could be it. Yeah. So, how did you? Uh, how did you become who you are? Well, who am I? That's a, really a question for you, right? Yeah, I,
0: I, I still don't know.
1: Would okay. Would you call yourself a comedian? Yeah, or yeah. A host? I mean,
0: stand up. Yeah, I've been doing stand up for twenty years now. That's my main gig.
1: Mm-hmm. How did my... you get into that?
0: Just, you know, going up at an amateur night one night, you know, I was DJing on like a local radio station. I went to college for it. I was on the college radio station. I had my own DJ business. I was DJing in rock clubs. And as soon as I hit the radio and they said, oh, you can't say that. Don't crack any jokes. Just give the time and play the music. I was like, oh, this isn't for me. So, Mm -hmm. and then I saw like Sam Kinison back in the day and Andrew Dice Clay and guys like that and Rodney Dangerfield. And I'm like, man, they brought a, well, especially Kinison and Dice brought like a rock star, you know, image to com- to stand up comedy. And that's when I realized that's what I wanted to do because I was always a big, like, rock guy.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you and- play music?
0: No, never. I was a lefty. Nobody could teach me. I was pissed. Everyone would play guitar. Like, I don't know how to t- turn the guitar around. I'm like, I don't. So right. nobody could teach me. So, and I hadn't just n- don't have an ear for music. If you ever saw me dance, you'd I would confirm that.
1: But do you dance – but you dance anyway – like do you dance like no one's watching?
0: No, I don't dance because I'm awful at it. Yeah. I just know it's just not – it's not for me.
1: I don't enjoy it and I have a couple friends who they will get on the dance floor and somehow they're able to do it in a way that's like – it's fetching. And my friend said that the way – and she. by the way, she's very cool even though this sounds dorky. She's cool. Right. She said that she used to stand in front of the mirror and practice dance moves because that's how much she likes to dance. I well, I guess you I guess you'd story. have to
0: you have to practice yeah. if you want to be good in the club I was just never that guy I was you know and so that always hurt me like meeting girls when I was younger mm-hmm. going to clubs because I, w- I was the guy that wouldn't dance so what would you do I'd be at the bar putting something in the drink when they weren't looking
1: <laughs> you never really did that did you no I
0: didn't but there wasn't you know roofies back in the day right so that it wasn't really anything no but I would just be the guy hanging at the bar let him go dance mm-hmm. you know so that definitely hurt
1: were you not popular with the
0: ladies? Uh, you know, I, I was like into heavy metal, so you, it was tough.
1: Did you have long hair? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But I grew it in the 80s when all the other bands did and like in the 90s and stuff, you know, as a kid. So it helped once I grew the hair. Right. Before I used to have like a bad mustache and a mullet.
1: <laughs> Wait, when, so when did you become this guy with the short hair?
0: Uh, I cut it like the right when like Bon Jovi cut his hair in the mid '90s. Okay, I kind of followed his his lead. Right, and like Nirvana came around, and you know, so, so that's when I cut it a little shorter. And then I just basically, and it was stupid looking back at it because it was a lot of work.
1: How often would you wash and condition it?
0: Um, you know, I girls were always jealous of my hair because I had natural curls mm-hmm. and it was blonde. They're like I pay a lot of money for it. I'm like, oh well. <laughs> Stop putting all this crap in and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was long. It was dead past my shoulders. Right. I look like like David Coverdale from White Snake. Remember what he looked like back mm-hmm. in Yeah, that's basically, that's the do I had.
1: Yeah. So. So, okay. And
0: that's Jersey. It was like, you know, that, that was the scene back then, the 80s, early 90s and all that. So. Right. But I started doing stand-up then and I was, you know, I had long hair and stuff. So it was a little, it was a little weird going into the comedy clubs because people were like, well, who the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you walk up there first, like, who is this asshole? I was wearing tight jeans. So know, then the how thing. would you
1: win them over?
0: I wouldn't. That was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was awful.
1: So did you feel like you were kind of in between these two worlds, like com- uh, comedy and music, or just that you were a comedian who uh, had a look that made people dislike you?
0: Well, yeah. Once I realized that's what I wanted to do to comedy, I fell in love with it when I first hit the stage. Uh, then I realized, all right, I got to just do this full time, really focus I cut it after a couple of years. Doing stand up, but I really—that's when I found out this is what I—this is what I really want to do. What—what
1: what did you love about it?
0: Just the freedom of getting up there and saying whatever I wanted to, and being my own boss.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, you know, think about—I it. I mean, I can go to—I dr- can go to work drunk wearing an ACDC shirt. I love that freedom. Nobody tells me what to do. But it's tough though working on other shows like this TV show I work on or anything. Then because as a comic, you are always just used to doing your own thing. You know, and you could just say whatever you want. You have no boss, basically. Just do your time on stage, show up. That's basically all we have to do. So then when you got you you know, you got scripts and they go, say this. I'm like, no, this isn't funny. So that's always a problem. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, though, um, Adam and Jimmy, when they started Crank Anchors, when they hired me for the show, those guys were like the – you never know because that was my first TV show I ever worked on how great it was how there was no interference, and even if you want to go, I don't want to say this, like, all right, what do you want to say? All right, then say that. That's fine. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Never had that since.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've had jobs. I remember uh, one of my first uh, journalism jobs, actually. Someone was like, you don't understand. You will never have a boss like this. You will never have a boss this good. And I really didn't understand. And at the time, I was just focused on the things I didn't like about it. And in retrospect, they were right. Like That was actually a, a very unique and special experience. Um, so at the time, though, you didn't realize how great that was? No,
0: I did. I mean, it was like, the, wow, I, I thought all the shows were like that. I <laughs> yeah. thought this is like, wow, this is going to be great. So next show I work on, it's going to be the same thing. I could pretty much go, ah, you know, hang out with them and, you know, and have the same sense of humor and everything else. But then you get to somewhere else and it's somebody else's words, the writer's words, and you want to change them and mm-hmm. they're offended. So it's a whole a real political a nightmare. Whole, yeah.
1: So um, they hired you. You were doing terrorizing telemarketers. Is that right? Yeah. Which – and what is that? Explain that. I
0: I just basically – like I had comedy shows at night, so I had nothing going on during the day. I didn't have a day job. So I would just sit by the phone and wait for telemarketers to call. (laughs) And I would just try to keep on the phone for like an hour because I really had nothing else going on. Mm -hmm. And then I just started tape recording them. I figured, you know what? I'll put a CD out. I'll get my name out there. I'll sell them after my comedy shows. And um, I had one out and then um, Howard Stern started playing it on the radio and I guess Jimmy and Adam heard it from there when they were looking for guys to do prank calls from Crank anchors.
1: Did you send it to Howard Stern?
0: Yeah. I had a friend that um, knew the producer, Gary, there. And he goes, Gary goes, all right, if it's funny, we'll put it on the air. And the mm-hmm. next day they were playing it. It was crazy. And he That's just started cool. play- Yeah, he was playing it over and over again. And then like four months later, my manager goes, hey, Crank, this is a show called Crank Anchors is looking for people. And um, I'm going to mail in your CD. He goes, I- they heard of you. They-, they requested from the Stern show. I'm like, all right, cool. And I, and he told me the concept. I'm like, that's the that's the dumbest show ever. <laughs> Prank calls and recreating with puppets. I'm like, that's not gonna. Lie. I go. I, I'm embarrassed. I go. I'll do it. They goes. He goes. No, they're guaranteed six episodes. So I think the show. I think it's gonna be all right because that's when they were doing a man show. They were just coming uh-huh. off the man. They go. They, he's, they got a lot of pull at Comedy Central. I'm oh like, I go. All my comic friends are gonna make fun of me like I'm on this show with puppets. But fuck it. And then next thing you know, it just you know it went. Went through the roof. Mm-hmm. It was amazing how uh, even when we were filming it, even when we were doing the calls before anything was made. I didn't see any puppets. I'm like, how was this thing going to work? Yeah, you know. But uh, it just the, those guys were geniuses. Uh,
1: what? At what age did you first make a prank call?
0: Like started at like 10, 12 Because I was always in trouble as a kid. I was a troublemaker, mm-hmm. so I was always grounded. So I'd always be home. And I would just pick up the phone and just make prank phone calls because I just, yeah, like I said, nothing else to do.
1: Would you just randomly choose a
0: number? Random to choose, or call neighbors up and order them a pizza, you know, and watch from the window the pizza guy pull up and mm-hmm. then walk away with the pizza in his hand. All that stuff. Yeah, just and just prank our friends, any girls in school, we'd call them up and anything. Yeah. So I learned from an early age how to make a prank phone call.
1: Were you ever nervous about it? No. Did you ever get found out?
0: Uh, yeah, a couple times. Yeah, but I was just like, ah, you know, I didn't do it. Just,
1: how, how how did it get traced to you?
0: Well, you know, a neighbor would know it was me, um, something, stuff like do that. You do have a
1: distinctive voice. Oh, you would probably disguise your voice, though, right?
0: I probably didn't, actually. Back okay. Back yeah, it was deep even when like, I was 12 years old, which is embarrassing <laughs> in school. Because kids used to come up to me, like go in the hallway, say something. I'm like, what? And they're like, ah! You know, they called me froggy. Said I had a frog in my throat.
1: Kids will make fun of people for anything. Because... Arguably, having a deep voice is an asset. So it's amazing to me that that became something that you were made fun of.
0: For. Yeah, like whenever the, like the English teacher would call on me to say something, or a math teacher, all right, well, what's that problem? And you yelled out, Mr. Florentine. And I would say, as soon as I started talking, everyone would start laughing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, whatever. but you know what's great? I could call myself and my friends out of school as my dad or their dad. <laughs> so I would do great. that a lot, like, oh, we need to call, because we go play cards or whatever and get drunk at, like, 15. But I, w- <laughs> I was always calling friends out. Yeah, this is Mr. Corrigan, uh, Kevin's sick today, so... He can't make it in all right, hopefully mm-hmm. it'll be in tomorrow.
1: Were there, so. were there any prank calls that you is there anything you feel guilty about?
0: No. No, but I mean I did get in trouble with some um where I had to go to court and cops came to my house and all that stuff.
1: Wow, what happened?
0: There was a couple <laughs> there was a couple of uh instances with the telemarketer stuff where this one credit card co- company called me up, right? And they go, Hey, you know, uh, maybe uh we we could uh, transfer like seven thousand dollars in your bank account you know we'll take it off your credit card maybe something came up you need some money and i used to just i didn't know what they're calling so i would always add libit mm-hmm. so as soon as I, they said something might have came up you need some money so i just went oh yeah well that's perfect actually because i just hit this old lady with my car the other day and i got to pay her medical bills and the woman's like okay and i'm like yeah i go i just went down to the local hospital i'm just making this shit up i go i just went down to the local hospital i visited her and um you know, I knocked her teeth out, so I got to buy her some new teeth, how much you think those are. She wears diapers. I crushed her walker. And we're going over prices on how much this stuff cost, And then finally, at the end, she goes, okay, so all right, sounds good. All right, so give me your uh, account number. So now she wants to transfer this money, and I don't want the thing, so I mm-hmm. just blur it out. I go, uh, you know what? I'm just going to go out in the hospital and kill her. And she's like, oh, <laughs> uh, 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 I go, look, I'm going to go smother with a pillow. Why don't you call me back in like an hour? 20, it's, I
1: feel uncomfortable laughing, but it is funny.
0: 20 minutes later – because 20 minutes later, I got two detectives at my door. Wow. Because she had my credit card, it was my address right in front of me. She mm-hmm. had all my information. She thought it was real. So these guys, you know, these cops knock on my door and they're like, uh, Mr. Florentine. I'm like, can we come in? I'm like, uh, he's like, you know why we're here? I'm like, yeah, I go, look, I was just making a prank call. Like, well, can we come in? I'm like, sure. They go in, they start looking through the rooms in my apartment. I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, well, what, there could be a dead body. We don't know. And I'm like, I was, I was joking. I go, look, there's a recorder right here on my phone. And then I was telling him, look, I am on a show called crank anchors. I don't know if you ever heard of it. And they're like, what? And I'm like, we make prank calls. I'm the guy goes, yay. That guy. And then just staring at me. <laughs> And finally, just like he has my, he has my, uh, he goes, give me your license. He had my driver's license. He's looking at me. He's like, what, what were you doing? Seriously, I go, listen, listen, play, and I played the call back. I go, see here, and mm-hmm. he goes, and he's like. You're 34 years old. What are you doing? What is wrong with you? And I'm like, Look, I'm sorry, man. You'll never hear from me again. Like, oh, seriously, we don't want to come back here. They, but they said as they left, they go, Look, if there's, a, if there's a missing woman, an old woman in this area, you're going to be a suspect. We're coming back. I'm like, The fuck? You? I go, You just heard it was a prank. So I was yeah. like, Yeah. Oh. And I, it scared the shit out of me because I never got in trouble before anything. So. But what happens is like two weeks later, I don't know what I was thinking. I pretended I was doing this telemarketer call to have my buddy there. We pretended I was giving my girlfriend an abortion in the house. I don't know why I didn't think that was going to be, you know, going to be a problem. I just it my-
1: to point out that, that this is just two weeks later and yeah. you had been totally freaked out. Two weeks it's later. It's as if you had to escalate it.
0: But I, yeah, but I wasn't even thinking that. Like I didn't even think – I was so disconnected right. that I didn't think, ah, you know, because I told my girlfriend just scream when I pick up the phone. I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to tell her what it was going to be because there's no way she would have done it. Uh-huh. She goes, what are you up to? I go, no. I go, it's just some silly thing we're doing. And I had my buddy Chuck there. So the woman calls. All of a sudden you hear screaming and he's yelling. She's like, what's going on? I go, my friend's just giving my girlfriend a home abortion. She's like <laughs> – Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to go. I go, no, no. Stay on the phone. I go, he, I'm just trying to save a few bucks. It's around Christmas time. He said he could knock it out for like 50 bucks. He's got a tool chest, a toolbox here. So don't worry. Just keep going. And he's yelling. She's screaming. He's like, all right. I got the whole. What do you want me to do with it? I go, just throw it in the other room. And she's like, she's horrified. She's gone. But then she finally hangs up. And she had my address, obviously, because it was some other company. And then I left like my girlfriend was pissed. She was so mad. She's like, you fucking piece of shit. Why did not you tell me? And we're laughing. So we go out and we go get coffee. We come back like an hour later. My door is busted in. Mm, Wow. Because the woman believed it, called the cops. The cops came to my house, thought somebody was bleeding in my house. Mm -hmm. There was nobody there. So they decided to kick down the door. So I come back. The all the neighbors are outside my house. Different
1: cops this time? No.
0: Well, it was the same guys. <laughs> but I didn't know because nobody – they already left. Yeah. Because they had to go upstairs and check because they go, I think this is a prank. We were here a couple of weeks ago. We have to just make sure. <laughs> so all the neighbors – there's wood everywhere. There's all over the floor. The doors hanging Jeez. off the hinges. And they go – there was a nine-one call. They were – someone was looking for you. The cops. There was ambulances here. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I actually went down to the police station right down the road and it was the same two guys. They're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like – you don't think giving your girlfriend an abortion, you don't think that's a problem. I go, I guess. The woman was so upset she left work early that day. She had I go, Well, at least I gave her a half a day. I'm trying to be like a wise ass. Mm-hmm. So I wound up getting a ticket for like a disorderly conduct because they had three cop cars and EMS workers come down. They like he goes, you know, if someone would have got killed as us going ninety miles an hour down a twenty five mile an hour road, you would have been responsible. I go, but I didn't call a cop, so you would have been responsible anyway. I had to go to court, I was facing like six months in jail. I mean wow, for, but i I got a, f- a fine for like eight hundred bucks.
1: do you feel like that's fair?
0: No, it wasn't fair, but I wasn't going to argue it yeah. I was like, you know what I don't want to you know I just got a lawyer. It was funny because I was like the first case, it was like five o'clock. the courtroom was packed, and the judge says everything that went, so you did a prank phone call, where you pretended you, your friend was giving your girlfriend an abortion. Do you think that's funny? and I'm like I'm biting my lip like I'm in school I'm mm-hmm. like yeah that's funny but I'm like no I don't know what I was thinking and you're a comedian you think that's funny and then you can hear the whole courtroom groaning and, she, and we had a vacuum going on too I forgot about that <laughs> Just to make it, you know, extra special. Right. And he's like, and you had a vacuum going on in the background. You see the whole, court, oh, like I, like I molested kids. Uh-huh. He's like, $800 fine. I never want to see you back here again. I had a walkthrough. It was like the walk of shame through everybody in court. Just looking at him like, you piece wow. of shit.
1: You bombed in the courtroom. That's crazy. I feel like any, oh, this should be a movie. I mean, any joke repeated by a judge in a courtroom is not going to sound funny.
0: I know. So And he really made it like so unfunny.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm just sitting here feeling like uh, that's so unfair because it was a telemarketer who called you, right?
0: It was, and I didn't say call the cops. She's yeah. the one who believed it. You know, m- maybe I'm just a good actor.
1: Well, uh, clearly, <laughs> but is there actually any law against any of that? No,
0: there isn't. There wasn't. That's why I was. So it was ch- just a offe- you offended. My lawyer, them. Yeah, my lawyer could have. Could have, you know, fought. He's like, let me just. He talked to the prosecutor before. He goes, look, we're just going to give me an $800 fine. And then I'm like, fine, let's just take that. Because mm-hmm. we really, because I didn't call. I didn't tell her to call. She just made that judgment call. So it wasn't any of my fault.
1: Do you dislike telemarketers intensely or is it just opportunity? No,
0: nah, yeah. It was just, you know, just. Nothing else to do. No, mm-hmm. I don't really bother. They don't really bother me. I mean, they do take old people's money with these scams and stuff. They ripped off my, my grandparents back in the day. They said they needed a new roof. Someone came by. I go, look, we just, your roof's going to leak. It's going to cave in. They were like 80. They charged them like 15,000, got it up front. They worked one day and just left, never heard from again, left the roof half, you know, done and all that stuff. So, but I, I really didn't have anything against them. I just was like, all right, something to, something to do to kill some time. Mm-hmm. And I just wound up, you know, turning into something big.
1: Um, is there something in you that feels the need to provoke people
0: yeah I like that yeah I like I like uncomfortable situations I like it uncomfortable I don't know for some reason I, I find that funny uncomfortable silence you know I'm always in a, in a store in a restaurant like last night I was at dinner right and I was getting this uh, chicken hmm so I said to, they never give you a sharp knife for chicken, which is so weird. They give it for steak but not chicken. So you right. got to use the butter knife that – doesn't cut anything oh and that drives me nuts for some reason
1: and and they always say a dull knife is actually less safe than a sharp one because you're pushing so hard
0: yeah so i'm trying you know so i'm so always I, i'm yeah. like there's no so you know they got a million sharp knives in the place so i ordered my chicken and i said to the waitress and she came back in between i go hey can i get a, a sharp knife for my chicken and she gives me this weird look like why would you ask for a sharp knife for chicken she's like uh yeah okay and she was all over the place she was uh-huh. Screwing up our order and stuff. So, 10 minutes go by, the food's still not out. And I know she didn't bring the knife, so I know she forgot it. So, I said to her again, I go, um, You need a beer? I go, Yeah, I'll take a beer. And can I get that sharp knife? And she goes, I'm going to give you the knife. I'm like, okay, because I just didn't get it yet. She goes, I'm going to give the knives are right next to where I pick up the food in the kitchen. So I'm going to pick up a sharp knife when I pick up your food. I'm going to put it on the plate. Is that okay? I go, yeah, that's okay As long as it comes out, I go, I don't want it. I don't want you bringing out my meal. And then 10 minutes later, you got to go fish for a a knife and come back 10 minutes later. She goes, it's going to be on your plate. I'm like, all right, fine. And it was just totally tense at the table. I'm like, fuck you. I, I don't know where your knife is going to be. Because mm-hmm. how many times you tell a, a waitress or a waiter and then, they, and then the food comes and they still don't have it there?
1: Yeah, often.
0: Often, yeah. And I just got the food. I want to eat it. So, But it was tense. And everyone was like, holy shit, she's going to spit in your food. I'm like, oh, "What? I don't know. Too bad.
1: Did it taste least, extra spitty?
0: No, it didn't. But I got the sharp knife. Good. So I do like making uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, in the you know, when they were ask you, any register, they're always pushing shit on you, the club cards or any of that stuff. I just, you know, say, I, I don't have one. I'm on I'm, I'm probation. <laughs> what do you mean, probation? Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm on probation for the next six months. So they took them away from me. She's like, where? I'm like, I live in Florida. She goes, they do that in Florida? They take your they took your CVS card? I go, yeah, they took everything, my license. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll use mine. I go, no, nah, I don't want to get a trace back because it might, you know, who knows? My probation officer. If I don't tell him, I might get. She goes, "No, it's not." I'll you. go, now, nah, just I'll pay full price. And everybody online's listening. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit, what this guy do? <laughs> just, just being silly.
1: Where do you think the desire to do that comes from?
0: I don't know. I always it's like being the wise ass. I don't like to be the center of attention, but I do like being a wise ass. Like, I'm not the guy in the room going, "Hey, look at me, look at me." But you know, I'm just a guy that. Uh, I, I've done – you know, I, I, it's funny because uh, Jimmy and Adam, when I first – I think went to dinner with them for the first time when we were out in Vegas doing the calls, I did this – I used to do this whole thing where I'd, I'd get a lot of pepper put on my chicken. When the guy comes around for fresh ground pepper, I'd make him do it for like 30 minutes. <laughs> And they're like, let me see this because they talked about it on a Stern show and I did another DVD, like this hidden camera DVD. Uh-huh. And they're like, let me see this in action. And they sat – they were dying. After like a minute and a half, they go, stop, stop. I, it's too uncomfortable because it just goes on and on. The guy switching arms because his, his arm gets tired. Uh-huh. They're going back. They're getting more mills. They're bringing a Relief Pepper guy in. One time they had to bring another guy in because the other guy's arm was tired. He came back in and <laughs> – but they said they after a minute and a half they go like you got to stop. They just right. started laughing and stuff because the pepper's all over the table. It's squirting all over the place, and I'm just sitting there. Yeah, a little more. Yeah, keep going, keep going. I'll flip it over. You yeah, try this side. So, are you always
1: able to keep a straight face? Yeah. Is that something you have you have to work at? Because like I'm I in the course of saying something that strikes me as funny, I will crack up. I'm the opposite. I cannot. Like I I I would be terrible at surprise parties. That's the kind of thing where I'm like. Can't, I can't even keep a straight face that long.
0: Sometimes. Sometimes I break character and I laugh. Sometimes I do. But usually I'm pretty good at And my wife did, drives her nuts because, like, I don't know when you're serious. You're the same all the time. When you say something, I don't know if you're kidding. I'm like, good. Keep you on your toes. <laughs> um, what was your upbringing like? Uh, Catholic. Set big family. Seven kids.
1: Wow. What uh, What number are you?
0: I'm right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and we grew up in New Jersey, you know, middle class. Um, Yeah, I went to Catholic schools pretty much my whole life, rebelled against them, of course, and just, you know, got in trouble and a little wild man, you know, growing up. And then, uh, yeah, so, you know, still close to my brothers and sisters, though, close family.
1: What are your parents like?
0: Parents, my dad passed away in the 90s, but they were married like 35 years. So, um, no, it was good. You know, it was a lot of us who were always getting in trouble. My mom pumped them out like one year after another. It was insane. She had seven kids in 10 years. I got one and it's out of control.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, do you think it's like when you start having more than one, they just start taking care of each other? No,
0: one plus one equals
1: ten. So, so she—that's what everyone's like told a me. Kids.
0: Like if you have, you think one is it's tough when you get another one, then it's two more chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know how and with no nanny or anything. Right. Just yeah. Po- yeah. Did you
1: do you feel like you got a lot of attention?
0: Uh, probably not. Maybe that's why I was acting out. Hmm. You know, that could have been it. I mean, it's tough. You know, when, you know, my dad worked, you know, nine to five, came home like six, seven o'clock off the bus, eight, you know, hung out with us for a couple of hours and went to bed. You know, he was my little league coach and all that stuff. But, you know, mom was basically disciplined us and, you know, cooked and cleaned and did all that stuff. So possibly.
1: Was she strict?
0: Yeah. Super strict. Super Catholic. Super strict. Yeah. Church every Sunday. No cursing. You know, no sex talk. None of that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you grow up fast?
0: What do you mean fast?
1: Well, you said that you were getting drunk and playing cards yeah, at 15. Yeah, yeah, I was smoking pot
0: at like 12, 13.
1: How, who, who got you into it? My older that?
0: brothers. They'd bring me to concerts and passing joints around and drinking and stuff. Wow. Yeah. They were like four or five years older than me. so. Uh, but I stopped. I stopped smoking pot at 17. Mm-hmm. I, I Why? I just didn't like it. It made me paranoid and tired, and i you know I smoked a couple times over the years, but I just it doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Never a drug guy, never did coke, none of that stuff. Uh, you know, just drank here and there, smoked cigarettes till I was like twenty, and I stopped that too. So,
1: and then you're you're sober, right?
0: No, no, I oh. still I still drink.
1: Where did I read that? Um, no, I don't know where. <laughs> I but I, I I'm misinformed.
0: No, but I've never been a big drinker. Though I was always just—I always needed to get a little buzz on so I could talk to girls. Mm-hmm. That was my thing, like going to clubs. I needed a few beers and me to get a little balls to go talk to girls. Right. But I—I I never wanted to drink to get drunk and pass out. That was never my thing.
1: Are you? Do you? Are you naturally shy?
0: I think so. Yeah, most comics are. You know, we're loners. We're introverts, and you know, we we observe. We sit back and observe everything. And then store it for later.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you ever get uh, nervous going on stage?
0: No, I've been doing it for so long. I mean, you get the adrenaline rush. I love the adrenaline because you don't know every crowd's different, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's a challenge every time. You are constantly thinking up there. Where am I going? All right, this isn't working. As you are doing it, all right, let me go in this direction. Is so I, ne- you know, you can never mail it in, right? And so, so I loved, I love that where I just can't just go through the motions every time.
1: Uh, When did doing um, the hosting stuff start?
0: Um, I guess after the Crank Gankers. Crank ended, I guess, 2007. And then uh, I got this job at VH1 uh, Classic. My friend was a radio DJ in New York, and we were friends. And he's like, I'm going to pitch this talk show. It's basically like the Tonight Show for ACDC fans (laughs) because he's like a metal DJ. And I'm like, all right, cool, man. I'm in. and VH1's like, "All right, fine. We'll give you money for a pilot and we've been doing it for 5 years now, like 110 episodes. Mm-hmm. Been in our 12th season now, so."
1: How, who are your favorite bands?
0: Like Black Sabbath, AC/DC, Van Halen.
1: Do you listen to newer stuff?
0: Yeah, I listen. I love newer stuff too. Yeah. I'm a big music fan. Yeah, I'm always you know, check finding new bands and all that stuff, so.
1: Has your relationship with music changed since uh you were in high school let's say though because Gary and I talk about that or like I um I used to write about music and I played in a band and I used to go to clubs all like music was that was my thing and now I I don't even I hardly ever even listen to music in my car like I don't know what happened I would like to Uh, start to have a relationship with music again but somewhere I lost the thread and I just it's not the same for me anymore
0: I never did I never lost it I was always into it along the way and I think that that helped with getting the show and knowing it but yeah I've always like you know you always um, I went away from it for a little while in my 20s but I I went back into it and I think that's why our show is popular it's like 40 year old males is our Mm -hmm. demographic which is guys that lost the music for 10, 15 years got married had a couple kids and now they're like oh man I remember that band Oh, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, uh, docking or something like that. I wanted a poison. Oh, shit, yeah, I saw it when I was a kid. And then we have them on our show. They're like, oh, man. Oh, they're playing? They got a new CD? I'm going to go check that out. So I think that's that helps our show where a lot of people did lose it for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading about you, uh, and I read the piece that you did for EXO Jane. Oh, yeah. About um, your girlfriend who committed suicide.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can we talk about that? Sure. That it was so um, just sad and and well written and crazy and uh, you did you do a one man show about it? I
0: still do. Yeah, you I do. do a, okay. Yeah, I do a one man show about my whole basically from my childhood to what happened with my ex girlfriend and where I am now in my life. So it's yeah, it's a whole one man show. I've been doing it for like two years. And What's I'm gonna, the name of the show? It's called I'm Your Savior. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna be you know and hopefully shoot it as a special within you know like the next six months do it. It's especially either for who knows, HBO, or one of those. So I've been working on it up for a while, you know, tweaking and all that stuff. So
1: I just realized why I thought you were sober because I misremembered something that you, you had said that you were an addict and then for some reason, but you, what you said is you're addicted to saving women. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which
1: yeah. at the time I was like, Oh, that's clever. And then in my head, it settled into, Oh, you're just an addict, but no. Yeah. Uh, at what age did you, did that start? that whole wanting to save women thing.
0: Well, you know, what I got it from my mom. My mom was like almost like Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. So she would just take in people on the street, like someone that was sleeping outside the store, like the food store or something, like the supermarket. She goes, oh, he needs a place to stay for a few days. Like, We had strangers live in our house. Any of our aunts and uncles that were older that got sick, my mother, oh, will stay here. She would take care of them. Where stuff.
1: would they stay? I'm thinking with seven kids.
0: Well, we were all stacked. We had like bunk beds and okay. we had like four or three. Rooms. We had a pretty big house, probably like s- six bedrooms.
1: Sounds very much like just the ten of us. I don't know if you ever saw that show. No,
0: I never did. Okay,
1: it was a spinoff of Growing Pains. Not important anyway. Right. Go ahead.
0: Um. So yeah. So, so I got that from her. She's like, oh, you got to take care of people. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, they're in trouble. You know, say, you know, come on, bring them in. You know, save them. And yeah, I didn't want to do that. You know, I was like, I didn't want, to, you know, but I. But I, I even do- I remember when I was a kid, I adopted one of those uh, Ethiopian kids, like my first paycheck. When I was fourteen, I was washing dishes, making like three fifty an hour or something.
1: Did she recommend that, or you just were No, I think I did it on my age. own. Yeah. yeah,
0: I did it on my own. So I had, like, you know, I was sponsoring a kid for like, mm-hmm. whatever, like nineteen bucks a month. I didn't really have the money, but I just did it. So I've always been like that, and I just got attracted to, you know, saving troubled people, whether you know guys, girls, whoever. You know, those were my friends. You know, people that were had a lot of problems mm-hmm. for some reason. I felt like I had to take care of them.
1: But was there something about? Was it just wanting to help people, or was there something about someone who was um, kind of despairing that you were attracted to that?
0: I was definitely attracted to because it, it was you know usually the trouble ones were also wild. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the wild ones? Right. They're the ones dancing on top of the bar? you know but then they got you know and there's a reason they're dancing on top of the bar they're a little crazy mm-hmm. so i i was attracted to that craziness i'm like wow cuz i grew up so such a strict household you know with going to church every sunday this and that and no sex talk none of that they didn't even bring it up that i was just like it was kind of you know it was fun for me i'm like ah, oh, fine I, now i could do whatever i want mm-hmm. so i was attracted to that that wild dark side
1: right cuz i think you said something about how you tried to to date just People yeah, that normal didn't need girls. Saving and you found yeah. it boring. Yeah,
0: it was yeah, it was super boring right? for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I I related so much to that because I went through a phase where, um, kind of in the re- I just always liked the bad boys or I always like, but the same thing, the same like this person doesn't open up to a lot of people. This person is going through something, and this person trusts me, and like I'm going to be the one to tame the stray cat. I, and I don't mean that in a like I'm gonna, I don't mean like he's a wild stallion and I'm gonna tame him. I just mean there was something about these these challenging people. If I could be the one to reach them, then that somehow means I'm special. And so anytime I – versus like just the just the nice guy. And then I would date the nice guy and it would be – I just wasn't – the attraction wasn't there. Um, so yeah, I could relate to so much of that.
0: Yeah, because I was the good friend for a long time, like a long, long. – you know, about six years from like maybe 19 to 25. So I was attracted to all these wild, crazy girls that had these abusive boyfriends. The boyfriend would treat them like shit and mm-hmm. I was the good friend and it would drive me nuts. Cause I, but they want, They didn't want to – you know, they they loved me as a friend. I was the good guy but they didn't want anything to do with me, you know. Right. So it was tough. So I got tortured with that. But meanwhile, looking back it's like I shouldn't have done that. It was my fault. I can't blame them.
3: Mm-hmm. I was the
0: one who was like, "Wow, she's nuts. She's crazy. She's nuts. She has the boyfriend that's the asshole. I could take care I could take her away from this. Eventually she's going to like me and then, you know, she's going to see that I'm a good guy." Right. But it never worked out. Never it would never happen. But I always went for the girls that wanted the 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 asshole, the one asshole.
1: Was there something um something about that situation that appealed. Like, do you think you were trying to avoid intimacy?
0: Probably, yeah.
1: Because I think that that kind of um, codependent thing is uh, those sort of high risk, high reward relationships. There's not a lot of true seeing each other for who you are. No, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's probably what it was. Yeah, you know, it was funny because when I when I later on in life when I went to therapy, I would. When I first went in there, I would talk to a therapist. He's like, "Well, you know, if you got married and you know had a family and stuff, you wouldn't be dealing with all this crazy stuff." I'm like, "I go, how can anyone get anything done in their career?" I was always worried about my career. Like, if I got married and had a kid, my career's over. Mm-hmm. But I saw other guys be married and have great careers and have a couple kids, and I'm like, "How did they – There's no, how could they pull that off?" And my therapist's like, "No, you don't understand. Once you get that other side of your life straightened out and all that chaos, you're gonna, it's gonna open." way more avenues and creative ideas for you. You're going to get way more stuff done because you don't have that whole mess going on the other side of your life. Your career's okay, but the, your you right. know, personal life is a complete disaster and you're spending so much time there, you're not focusing on your career.
2: Right. Once you
0: get the wife and the kids and everything's good on that side, you're going to do so much more. And I never believed them. Like, that's stupid. I'd walk out. I'm like, what an idiot.
1: Right, because you were probably thinking that... That would mean taking this chaotic personal life and just making it even bigger and more of a time suck, right? Yeah,
0: of course. Yes. And then, and then, you know, cut to three, four years later. I'm like, holy shit, he's right. I've never done more in my career in the last three, four years.
1: Mm-hmm. So this, your current relationship is obvious. Is this the first one that's been different than?
0: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, no matter. But yeah, pretty much the first one. Yeah. I've been, I been—I got married in July. So I've been together, we've been together for four years. We have a two and a half year old son. Mm-hmm. So it was my first marriage.
1: And she did not need saving.
0: No, no, she's normal. Yeah.
1: Did you wonder if you could ever have a normal relationship?
0: Yeah, I did for a long time. But then you know, when you work it out, as you get older and you go to therapy and you you know do work on yourself and all that stuff, you figure it out. Like you, you don't need that. It's you know that's not. It, it's not. It's a harsh thing to say, but you don't need that problem in your life. You know, like so, that someone else has to deal with that, not you. Mm-hmm. You can you can help from afar, but don't let it consume you.
1: So with um, Jade, what happened?
0: Uh, you know, look, she had depre- she had depression issues. She was born with a chemical imbalance, and it was you know it was always touch and go to relationship. And one day, she just you know she had enough, mm-hmm. and just um, you know, and that was it. She um, she checked out basically.
1: Did you? Were there any signs
0: there was you know the depression you know with people that you know have depression issues there 's waves it comes in waves a couple of days a week, two weeks they 're down, and then all of a sudden they 're okay you know they 're okay for a few months then something, and something and you know the thing is with it 's always something little, something that someone that doesn 't have depression issues can deal with, like maybe um, i don 't know um, you got fired from a job, but you hate it anyway and you need to be out of there and that keeps you depressed for a month you're like no you you don't understand you're gonna get something else that's gonna be better you needed to get out of that situation but for someone that doesn't have depression issues they don't they don't they can't understand why they're so bummed out about it that's mm-hmm. a that's a big problem with it like why so what you know you got you got your whole family you got your friends you're gonna find another job it's gonna be okay you got money in the bank you got pl you got a roof over your head what are you worried about? well we can't relate to that because they take it way more personally you know, there's a loose wire, basically, in a layman's term. Right. That's not that, you know, we're all connected, but there's a loose wire up there. that just doesn't get it. So, um, you know, so there was a lot of that going on in the relationship. And I thought, you know, maybe I could, you know, hopefully, you know, she'll be OK at the end, of, you know, with therapy and, you know, she's going to therapy and doing all that stuff. But it, ultimately, you know, if someone's going to do it. They're going to do it. If it's not yeah. today, it's going to be another day, And you know. So yeah, it was a, it was it was a tough it was a tough super tough thing to go through.
1: Had there been had she attempted it
0: before? No, no, att- no attempts. No. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I lost someone to suicide as well. Um, when I was, I was twenty one or twenty two, but just out of college, and I thought I was very mature, but I I think I was actually a pretty young twenty one or twenty two, and I was just too young to really understand so much of anything. It just complete. it just, it like, I feel like I like stalled for like two years. Like I need to sit down and figure out what the fuck happened. I mean, it was just so, such a devastation that, that I just hadn't seen coming at all. Although in retrospect, yes, there were these signs, but not in the after-school special way where it's like, it's not like he was giving his possessions away or he had said this or that. It's just, yeah, he was withdrawn And he, I mean, I can think of little things, but the only the kind of signs that you see in retrospect. And then I was like, I'm never, I went through this phase of like, I'm never going to be so caught up in the minutia of living that I don't notice these things. And so I really just, just stepped back and was, um, it's like, I, I remember I, 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 anytime I, for a while, anytime I would see a movie I expected a character to commit suicide. Like, that's how much I was on guard for suicide around me. But right. I was convinced at all times that anyone could do it. it thankfully, no a suicide has not happened, uh, you know, near me since then. But I was so convinced that, like... It's the other shoe that's going to drop with everyone.
0: Yeah, well, that's part of like you probably have post traumatic stress disorder. So I was do- too too. If someone didn't went out to dinner and they yes. were gone for like an hour, and they, you know they said they were going to be back in an hour, and it was two hours, always out. Yeah, yeah. So it was oh, yeah. Or happened. like
1: if anyone said anything like oh if that like if I have to do that, I'm going to kill myself. I'd be yeah. like, what do you mean? Right. I know, and like, people yeah. say it all the time. They right. don't really
0: mean it. They just say it as, a, as an expression. I know. It, I went through it for a long time too. You know. Make sure he call, you know, yeah, there's all of that. Someone bummed out, something happened, you know. Mm.
1: Yeah, I know. I, yeah. My I, buddy
0: lost his job, and he was like, you know, it was a job he had for like 15 years, and they just cut him. They just freaking packed up his stuff and locked him out of y'all, basically. And I was like worried about him, I'm like calling him. He's like, dude, I'm fine. I'm going to, what I, I it sucks, but I'll, I'll deal with it. I really thought, like, holy shit, he's going to do that. Yes, yeah. Because he just lost his job. He's got two kids and a wife and a house. What is he going to do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine. As an adult, her parents split up and she was kind of sad about it. But I was like – like flew into action of like I'm going to be there for her in a way that I, I guess I wasn't there for him even though I had tried to be. And, and it, I think my sister was like it's – like she's an adult. her She's okay, you know. But I just – yeah. I uh, I was I, – I don't know if I was convinced it was my fault, but I was really convinced that I should have somehow been able to prevent it. Yeah. Did you go through that? Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah, I mean and, and the suicide is one that death is just is so much more attached to it because anyone that was close to that person feels guilty. feels yes. feels that, you know, their their was their fault. And why not, weren't they whatever happened? Why weren't they in the kitchen when you know I was down in the basement? I should have been in the And why kitchen? wasn't
1: I enough to keep them here?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Did I do that? Was I that much Uh, You know, was I that bad of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a wife or something like that, that they had to do that. Mm -hmm. But it really doesn't have anything to do with you. You know, it's it's. I I remember like the, um, you know, my therapist or this guy said, told me like chapter that was chapter three of her life. You know, chapter one was the root of the problem. You were chapter three in her life. You weren't there for chapter one. And I made a lot of sense. You know, you it starts from from birth, mm-hmm. basically the depression issues. You know, ninety, 90 to ninety five percent of suicides are from depression. There's always five ten percent that someone just lost their job and just acts irrationally and goes, "All right, I'm done. I can't. I can't do this. I got, I'm you know right. I'm checking out." So you'll get that, but most of it it is, and it's you know it's it's an illness. It's a disease, just like you know cancer and diabetes and everything else but people are afraid to talk about it that's the problem and people don't understand it so Mm -hmm. when like I was saying before when someone loses their job and they get they're all bummed out like don't worry about it you got you you got everything did they don't think that right they're in this dark place and they don't they there's no way they can get out of it they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel anyone that's tried and and survived it or said that they were in this place they didn't think about anybody else Mm -hmm. they weren't thinking about who's gonna find them who's gonna any of that stuff they were just. They had to be out of pain in that moment, and they always say it's like a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yeah, you know, and it, that's that's the problem. And, You know, like that's the whole thing with you know the gun deaths. You know, the whole gun control thing. You know, out of thirty two thousand deaths a year with guns, nineteen thousand are from sui- are suicides. Wow. So when there's a gun in the house, it's really easy to just grab a gun in two seconds. Yeah. So that's where a lot of the, you know the deaths are. But yeah, that's you know that's a whole other issue. But
1: how um. D- Do you feel like you're still affected by it? How Uh, long ago was it? It was
0: 2006, so it's been like six and a half years, I Mm -hmm. guess, seven years. Um, You know, it it gets easier as time goes on, but you never forget. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: said that you went to support groups. Yeah. How was that for you? Uh,
0: It was tough, you know, because they have these survivors of suicides support groups. So you walk in there, I was probably a month in, you walk in there and you see people like laughing and talking. I'm like, how could these people be like that? They lost somebody. Yeah. Their, their, their daughter committed suicide. How could they be laughing? But meanwhile, you know, they're four years down the road. It's like, you got to still live your life. You're allowed to, it's okay to be happy again. And I couldn't, you know, when you walk in, you're like, I I can't believe this. Why isn't everybody crying as soon as you walk in?
1: I felt like for the longest time, I can't be happy and I can't laugh because if I do that, that means that I think it was okay that this awful thing happened and it was not okay. The world is not an okay place and I'm going to be, I mean, I didn't say I'm going to be miserable forever, but that was like, I just felt like it's, I can't, I, I can't know, like I will not join this happiness because I'm not happy and th- the world is not happy.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You're afraid you're afraid to laugh because you feel like it's disrespectful. Yeah. Like, how could I? But you're allowed to. You're allowed to. I remember it took me, like, two weeks, and I remember my friend, like, sent me a text, and he, w- he made a joke or whatever, not about the situation, and I made a joke back, and it was like, holy shit, and I started, and he moved back, and I, and it was, like, the first time I laughed, and it felt so good, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then I had to get up on stage eventually to do stand-up again, and that was tough, too, because everybody knew what happened, so I'm like, the whole audience is going to be looking at me. It's going to be weird, and they're going to be like, how is this guy telling jokes and smiling and trying right. to entertain us so that was a that was a whole other issue too
1: and everyone knew what happened because were you on stern show at this point or how? yeah
0: yeah it was out yeah it was on the stern show and they knew her and, and all that stuff and they talked about it on you know the radio and all the radio shows and it was out there you know in the news and i mean it didn't hit like major news but right. yeah everyone, everyone pretty much knew
1: did them did that make it harder or easier or neither to have it be so public
0: i didn't mind i said you know what because i just like i'm not gonna I said, let's just say what it is instead of I. We don't know, you know. It's like just get it out there. I don't want any secrets. I don't want it because people that, that cover that up and say it was a heart attack or they just, you know, it was a natural cause yeah. of that stuff. They have to live with that the rest of their lives. So every time that's brought up, that pain comes back, and that's what a lot of people. A lot of people do with you know for young kids, like, oh mm-hmm. no, he just had a heart attack and. You know, the mom, mommy, mommy just had a heart attack and she got sick and, and that's it. But meanwhile, you know, t- you should tell the kid that the kid's not going to do it just because you told the, you know, mom, you know, did it to herself because she was in a lot of pain. The right. kid's not going to do it to himself just because you said that. Right. And that's a mistake. A lot of parents do. I know it's tough and I don't, you know, like I wouldn't know how to tell my son, but you know, when you tell him it's something else and then eventually they find out, they get really mad.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a betrayal.
0: Yeah. It's easier to explain to a kid when they're young and they're, they're open, their mind's fertile, to tell them, look, mommy was sick and she her brain was sick and she just, you know, she had to go away. It's easier to do it then. So when they find out, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road that it really was, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a tough situation. That's happened with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of people in the support groups, like, I didn't, I never told my kids. I told them it was a heart attack. And the, the woman's like, you should break it. I'm not going to – how am I going to do that? Just, just sit them down. Tell them, you know, so – it's a tough what? thing because it's that that death it's just there's guilt there's yeah. blame you you're angry at somebody it's just it's a whole you feel feel like it was your fault, all of this stuff you go through all of that stuff it's a really it's a whole roller coaster of emotions that one
1: yeah yeah
0: you can't it, it takes you a long time just to be sad because there's so much right that person why why and then you get mad at them too like mm-hmm. why would you do that to me because then you think it's geared to you know it's it's directed at you if you're in a relationship with that person, if you're close to them. Yeah. You know, you get in a big fight with somebody or something, and they go, "Do that." You're like, "Oh my god, if I didn't get in that fight, and you're, that's what you do." You now it's my fault. Now, now I got to live with this. So there's all that shit before you even get to grieving.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I know. I.
0: Uh, like you said, for two years, you pretty much like
1: sat. <laughs> I didn't really yeah. sit there, but yeah, I, I just, I felt like I was just kind of trying to recover for a couple years and yeah I I had forgotten about that part I felt like I can never be a little bit mad because it happened after a, a dis, not directly after but the last uh communication I'd had with him was um was sort of like we were we there was a disagreement and I thought I can never have a tiff with someone and then walk away and let a few days go by where I don't hear from them and feel okay about that ever again. Of course, it actually is, it's making me feel better now because I'm realizing how much I'm not living in that, um, that skewed, you know, grief way of being like, now I'm fully back in, in the world, I think. But yeah, for the longest time I felt like, and I, you know, I I never am going to be confident that the person is still there anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to look at it. Like, if, if if it's because of a fight or a breakup, when a lot of people do it, like, if, if, if everybody acted like that, there'd be nobody on the planet. Right. You know, so you can't, even though it was... You know, you were breaking up with the person or a person was breaking up. Whatever happens, you can't no, – most people don't react like that. Mm-hmm, There's right. a lot of sadness. They're angry, this and that and stuff. But the people will eventually move on with their lives. They don't uh, – that's an irrational act. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. So, I know, which is why it it always bothers bothers me and bothered me at the time when people would say these sort of pat like, well – you know, if someone chooses to do that, that's their choice. It's like it's more, much more complicated than that. Yeah, and I is. don't think it's a rational decision.
0: Well, then, uh, the the wor- you know, a lot of people go, they're a coward. If you commit suicide, you're a coward. It has nothing to do with that. No. It, when you get cancer, which is a disease, are you a coward if you die? The people go, ah, this person was a coward. They couldn't hang in there. It's it, there's no, Depression is the same thing. As cancer and diabetes, and people don't realize that. Right. You know, it's a disease that they're born with. They don't want to feel that way. They want to feel like us. Yeah. They don't want to be sad all the time. They don't want to act out. They don't, you know. But that's just, you know, the way it is. And, you know, you just got to hope, you know, hang with the person and just be there for them. But ultimately, if they're going to decide to do that, they're going to do it. If if you walk away for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. to go get the mail, if they want to do it, they're going to do it. People have done it. There was a um, and that support group. There was a woman that was so worried about her daughter that she took her to a mental institute because she was really uh, nervous she was going to hurt herself, and she did it in the mental institution. Yeah, yeah. And then there was and then there was one that didn't do, didn't bring in a mental institution, did it at home. So either or
1: that's what I've always heard is that if someone is is uh, determined to do it, they will find a way. You can you can you can delay it,
3: right? But then you know, but
0: there could be a point where you know they can. Uh, you know, get some therapy or medication or something like that and, right. and work through whatever they're going through and maybe, you know, maybe get to the point where they're not thinking those thoughts anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there are. There's definitely people. Right.
1: I, if you can get them through that. Yeah. That through, yeah. Dark period. Um, so how did you meet your your wife?
0: Oh, I met her at a concert back to the rock. uh huh, Kid rock, actually.
1: Kid oh, rock. right. Right.
0: Yeah. Kid rock and Leonard Skinner concert. I
1: mm-hmm. met her there.
0: My friend uh, hooked us up, basically. My friend just said, you know, it was a bunch of h- hot chicks. Come to this uh, rock show. We're going to hang out, tailgate, drink some beers.
1: Is that your scene? Hot chicks and tailgating?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, usually it was never <laughs> hot chicks I feel chicks like that's before. probably
1: every Gary's nodding, too.
0: Of course, right? There's probably right? no
1: guy who would be like, Hot Chicks, what would I want with that? Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, come on. Hot Chicks, beer, and tailgate. Come on. Is
0: okay. there anything better when you're tailgating, right? And you got a bunch of beers with your buddies, you got the trunk open, you're cranking music, and a bunch of chicks come by, hot chicks. Hey, you guys want some beers? All right. And they yeah. stop, and you're drinking beers with them, you're talking, you're going to talk about the show you're going to see. It's the greatest thing ever. It's the easiest conversation starter in the world. It's free beers. Yeah. They're walking by, everyone's going to see the same band. You got a lot in common. Everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's yeah. in a good mood. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. It's amazing. Get there four hours early. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Make sure you have beers, some kind of liquor for the girls if they do stop by. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just have, like, bud in cans because they're going to go to the next car. There's a whole process.
2: Yeah. You need a handle of vodka in the car somewhere. And, you know, yeah. You just take care of it.
0: And get some orange juice. Make yeah. sure there's orange juice because yeah. the girls don't mixer. like to drink it straight. Yeah. Right. A little mixer. Keep it cold. Yeah. It you doesn't know. have to
2: be too complicated, but multiple options.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's true. A couple cocktails. Hey, yeah. where are you sitting? Well, why don't you sit with us? General admission concerts are the best. Cause yeah. Because then where you're sitting just becomes an implied question. Yeah. Right, because then you're on the floor with them and then you're watching the show together. Maybe you put your arm around her. Right? Absolutely. You grind on her. For, you know, Maybe she's in front of you. Do a little grinding on her. She's getting <laughs> into it because she's moving into music. It's the Next best. Next thing you know, you got to start making out during a concert.
1: Is that, happen- Is that how it happened with you and your wife? No,
0: no. There was nothing going on. No but th-
1: grinding and making out during Kid Rock?
0: No, but she said that I grabbed her elbow and I was like rubbing her elbow kind of like just a little uh-huh. as I was talking to her because it was really loud. She said that I turned her on. It was one of my moves. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, elbow the elbow Yeah, my friend Dave, there was like this woman. I was down in Florida when I lived down there, He's like, grab the elbow when you're talking to him. Not too creepy.
1: because yeah, it, yeah, it can't it's be loud. creepy.
0: It can't be creepy, especially when it's loud and just a little and that, that gets him going. And it worked.
1: Hmm. Huh. Trying to, th- I'm trying to think. Well, it's it's got to be super
0: loud, so it's appropriate. Like you're, you're trying to like. Oh talk right, yeah, like that. Like, ah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know,
0: and you, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. You're right.
1: That's the difference between the creepy elbow grab and the non-creepy. Because if it's, uh, if it's just the two of you in a room and someone grabs your elbow, that's, yeah. no, that's not uh, welcome.
0: No, that's not at all. But yeah. The, yeah, the loud rock shows in a bar or any of that dance club or something that works. Mm-hmm.
1: And and what does your wife do?
0: She's a lacrosse coach.
1: Wow. Cross, yeah they she only went to have they pretty much only have that on the east coast right
0: it's starting to get big here i heard okay. um you know it's like a rich kid sport or whatever um not that she was rich but she played it in school and then she went to college got a scholarship and played in college and now she's uh she was teaching for a little bit but now she's a coach of a high school team she mm-hmm. loves it do you play no i never heard of it till that rape case four years ago <laughs>
1: with
0: duke i never heard of it i'm like what is that
1: did you always know that you wanted to have kids
0: no, I didn't know until I was, you know, my, you know, early 40s when I decided I was always against it. I'm like, nah, it's going to get in the way. They're a pain in the ass. But I love it. It's great.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think um, got you to the point where you were ready to have a healthy relationship and have bring a kid into the world and all that?
0: Um, I think, you know, I got to the point where I was like, all right, this is this is the next la- I can't. What am I going to do? I'm going to be 50 years old, just, you know, single. Living by – I remember when I, I always said – when I went to therapy, I said my – I said, you know what? I, I just want to be left alone. That was always my thing that a therapist like, I just want to be in a house by myself, not bothered by anybody. And he's like, no, you don't. You'll be, you, you'll be lonely. I'm like, no, I won't. And I said I – said, my whole goal was always to get like a, a beach house on the Jersey Shore like in the summer. You know, just rent it out one year. And I'm, he's like, you're going to be miserable. My therapist like, you're going to be miserable by yourself. I go, no, I'm going to love it. I'm going to be – freaking are you kidding me? This is going to be the greatest thing. He goes, okay, you watch. You're not going to be happy. You need people around you. I like, go, all right, we'll see. And I remember getting that place. And I remember it was like the beginning of the summer. And it was like a Tuesday night. I just moved in there. And, and it's like 8 o'clock on a Tuesday. I'm like, all right, now what? <laughs> you know, I mean, who do I call? Because all my friends are married. they are all got, yeah. their, you know, they've got a million things going on. And I'm, in a, and I'm like, the only one I could call was like my 20-year-old nephew. And I remember calling him. He's like, yeah, we're playing a, a beer pong. You want to come over? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not playing beer pong with a bunch of freaking drunk guys and then i realized man this su-, i'm like this sucks that's
1: so interesting what do you think made you think that you just want alo- to be alone you just want to be alone you just want to be left alone you just want to be away from people cuz that i'm relating to a lot and for me it's that i i'm just i'm i'm like too sensitive and other people affect me too much and so i always feel like i need to retreat
0: Um, I think it was, I think because of the chaos that was going on in my life with all past relationships, you know, just that whole, it was just like, I got to get away. I just want to be by myself. I think that's where it was coming from, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, also being a comic, you're on the road, you're by yourself, you're, you know, he's like, that's different. You're only gone for a few days. You know, you're going back home or whatever. He goes, wait till it's full time and you won't like it. And Mm -hmm. he was right. You know, he definitely was. But I think because cause it was so chi- chaotic, the relationships, that it was just so much drama that I just – I was like, I got to get out. But when you, once you got a normal relationship, you want somebody there. Yeah. You like it.
1: Right. Yeah, because it's not that – it's not um, stimulating you in the same draining way. Yeah,
0: it's normal. Yeah, it's like, all right, cool. You know, you got a friend there. Right. Instead of just like, oh, shit, what's, what's, what's going to happen now? What's the problem now?
1: Now, have you uh, – did any part of you try to sabotage any of the healthiness? What do you mean? At the beginning? Well, I think that with people who – and I'm speaking um, about myself, but also other people I know – people who tend to have um, – or, t- or went, tended to have dysfunctional relationships, when you all of a sudden get to the point where you can have a healthy one, there still is a little part of you that, like, is thinking – that that gets afraid of it.
0: Yeah, there was a little bit there. yeah. Because once I realized that I was going to settle down, I'm like, all right, I really got to do this. I mean, this is no joke. You know, if I'm going to get married and have a kid, there's no more, you know, no more craziness, you Mm -hmm. know. So I I really – and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, all right, no problem. I could do that. I'm old. And then all of a sudden it hits you like, holy shit, all right, I really got to do this. So it, it was tough. But, I mean, I did it, you know. It wasn't that much of a struggle. Mm -hmm. As you get older, you are just like I don't want to do that stuff anymore. Yeah, you know, I used to be I used to love going to strip clubs. I wasn't like going there to because I was a pervert. I would just go there, just hang, have a couple beers, you know, and just look at the girl. uh," You know, whatever. Just be. And I loved. I would never go to dance clubs. Like I did that early on, try to get laid. But then I, so I was never in the dance club. So I would just go to. And I haven't been in a strip club in like five, six years. I won't even step foot in. I'm just like I'm over that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, when I go to town, like I'd be a comedy club. All right, where's this local strip club? We'll go have a few beers after the show. Now it's like that's the last place I'd rather be. because you just grow out of the stuff. As you get older, you just grow out of stuff that, you know, was just like, for what? What am I doing? And looking back at it, like, why was I in there? Just wasting money. Yeah. You know, getting lap dances that girl. you know, I wasn't trying to take the girls home, but it was just stupid.
1: I've never, ever been to a strip club. No? I know a lot of women who have been to them, but I never have.
0: Yeah, I, I. too bad. I missed that whole thing where it was just guys that went. Girls never went. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, you know, like maybe, I don't know, maybe like 10, 15 years ago, all of a sudden, girl, I go to strip clubs. I'm like, you do? I never heard that before. You never – maybe you saw like one or two. Maybe.
1: And I wonder, are they really enjoying it or is it like when two girls make out with each other but in front of guys and it's like, oh, come on.
0: That's what it probably is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Gary, do you frequent strip clubs?
0: Yeah, no.
2: Definitely not. I don't know. There, there was a time when I did. But right, that was, and it was fun, right? But you yeah. grow out of
0: it. You're like, ah, you know.
2: I tried to do it again several years after that phase had passed me by because a friend was encouraging it. And it, it was terrible. Yeah, I don't have any real desire to do that.
0: I, when we used to tape the Crank Anger show in Vegas, me and the writers, not Jimmy and Adam and stuff, but me and the writers, as soon as we were done with dinner, we're done, pff, we were in a strip club for like five, six hours. We'd hit like two or three of them.
1: What's the hope? That's going to happen at the end of the night.
0: I don't know. I mean, it, you know, you weren't taking it home. You don't home. think that far ahead. I you mean, don't. At
2: a certain point, somebody says it, and it's a great idea, and next thing you know, I, I don't know.
0: Next, next thing you know, happens. you're, you're, you're yeah. online at the ATM machine, like, right. fuck, i got to take another 200 out. Pretty <laughs> 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 much. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know, because I wasn't the guy that went to, like, the hip club. Like I said, yeah. I wasn't going to bottles, getting a bottle, you know, at a table and paying 600 bucks and trying to get girls over there. It's like, ah, right, let's just go to strip club. So, I don't know. But yeah, so but as you just grow, you just grow, I guess wiser and you just, you know, you mature. Mm-hmm. I hate to say that cuz I'm still very immature.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of pot- potentially speaking of, uh what is Comedy Metal Midgets?
0: About? I do a po- I do a podcast every week. It's pretty much I do a rant. Like I'll th- I'll pick a subject and just rant about it. It's so, you know, usually about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, or sometimes I'll interview a guy in a rock band or another comedian. Mm-hmm. And I do an episode once a week. So you
1: don't always have a guest or you do?
0: No, I most of the time I don't. Like three out of four, out of three out of four podcasts, I don't have a guest. Right. So I pretty much do it to my. I I have a little recorder in my office, and I just rant it, or if something comes up that I that bothers me.
1: What kind of things do you rant about?
0: Um, I I remember ranting about that uh, *Rock of Ages* movie, how bad it was, and I went off on it for like forty five minutes.
1: Uh huh.
0: Um, and then guys that have man caves.
1: Wait, why does that piss you off?
0: Because it's stupid. Uh huh. It's just you know guys that you know think they're guys saying, Yeah, well, at I got a man cave. No, You're not a guy. You ever seen the show with Tony Saraguso where yeah. they make guys' man caves? I know. And you Stupidest know
2: what? Stupidest fucking shit I've ever seen.
0: But you know, a couple of my friends, Artie Lang and um, Jose Mangan, he's a heavy metal DJ, they actually came from the show and built the man caves. If they're going to come to my house and build me a man cave, I'll take it in a oh, second. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I would take it in a second. But it's just. But my theory is it's basically just these guys that really gave up 95% of the house to their wife. <laughs> And they gave him a little room, like the size of the studio. I go, okay, you could put your little fucking bobbleheads in here. You're right. You know what I mean. So you're not I mean, you're not really a man. You don't have to be a, a bully and go fuck you. You know, I'm, I'm taking this over. I'm putting my Dallas Cowboy poster up in the kitchen. But you don't have to just get a little room all the way in the corner. Yeah,
1: you don't have to have just a little cave.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if my wife doesn't want to watch TV on a big screen in the living room, I go, all right, well, I'm going to watch this here. She goes, all right, I'll go in the bedroom or vice versa. Don't worry, I'll go in the be-. It's not that big of a deal. I don't need a whole, oh, I'm going to go be a man in there. You know, they put like a sign on men only. Right. You know, it's almost like it, I, what I call it, and I know it's politically incorrect, I call it a homo fort. Cause it's just like you know, you, you do gay thing. You're you're ho- you do gay things now with your guy friends. Let's mm-hmm. go play video games in my man cave. Let's put bobbleheads. I mean, seriously, you're a forty year old man and you got a Derek Jeter bobblehead on your <laughs> shelf. Something's wrong. If you want to decorate a, pl- a studio or something like that, I get it. But really,
1: yeah, agreed. I think it's time for just me or everyone. Sometimes I
3: wonder on-
1: All right. Boudoir Babe says, when talking on the phone, we'll write out snippets of convo instead of doodling on paper. No, I don't. I doodle. I don't write snippets of conversation, but I do do that thing sometimes where if I'm sitting at the computer writing something um, and I'm sort of distracted, then if someone says something, I'll accidentally type that word instead of what I meant to type.
0: Yeah. Um
1: do you, do you doodle or write snippets of conversation when you're on the phone?
0: Yeah, uh, sometimes I will, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, if I have to write some important stuff down. Yeah.
1: Sometimes when Adam's talking on the Adam Carolla show, I will be listening but I'll doodle a little bit and then I'll worry that he'll see me doodling and think that it means I'm not paying attention. When really it means I am paying attention, I'm just drawing some kind of geometric pattern while listening.
0: Huh. So uh, uh, what I would do is I would be taking notes as he's talking, like maybe this would be a good subject to, you know, bring up when he's talking about, say, like man cave or something like that. I'd be writing stuff down. So I would go, all right, well, how about this, you know, to add to the conversation? That's what I'd be right. I don't I'm not a doodler, though. I like to pay attention. I in, the, even though my wife says I don't.
1: You're accusing in, me of not doing my job no, no, instead of doodling. Saying,
0: no, that's good if you can doodle. <laughs> if that works for you, it just doesn't work for me though. Yeah, like if yeah. I'm if I'm out of that moment, I'm out. I'm not paying attention.
1: Now I feel like it's not going to work for me. Well, just I'm pretend you are right. Just
0: write something. Yeah, I instead.
1: will. I know. Okay, I was, that's what I'll do. Some. The weird thing though is that some. I feel like sometimes if I were to, I feel like actually if I were to jot down a word, that would take me out of paying attention more than doodling. Because like I – like I can't even – if I'm writing something or if I'm trying to read and there's music with words, that will distract me at this point. I don't know how I, – I, when I was a kid, I used to do my homework – I would be in a room. The TV would probably be on. I'd be listening to my Walkman with earphones and doing homework. I have no idea how because now it can be silence and I still have trouble concentrating.
0: No, I need complete silence to concentrate. But you know what? I always watch other comedian friends of mine from the back of the room and I'll write down notes with some of their bits to add mm-hmm. to them. So I'm always writing. I'm thinking like this and write it down and do it later. But when I'm writing, when I have a writing session, I'm focused and I need complete silence.
1: Yeah, Gary, Doodle?
0: No, I don't talk on the phone that much. And when I do, it's usually in the
2: car. All right. I don't know. I've tried to time my conversations for the car lately. Absolutely. That's the best
0: uh, place to do it. I I already got three calls lined up as soon as I get out of here. Yeah, it's
2: so much easier. And I just got a car recently that has Bluetooth in it. So it's like just – it's so easy. Yeah. yeah.
1: I was actually thinking about that recently. I was thinking that – now, so many people are just conducting their conversations and their, business, their phone business in the car because we're all using cell phones and many of us don't have good cell phone reception. And in general, I like the convenience of the cell phone, but – and I've talked about this before. In general, I hate talking on the phone, but I especially hate it on the cell phone because you can't hear. I mi- I if I'm going to have to have a phone conversation, I would rather it be in a, on a landline so that there isn't that thing where two people are trying to talk at once and they both can't tell the other one's talking.
0: Yeah. I, I hate when, you know, you're having a cell phone, a cell phone conversation and one, one line goes dead. You know, a yeah. call gets dropped and they call back, what happened? I don't know. What do you think?
1: Right. I, I hung up on did you, you on hang purpose. Up? Did you
0: hang up on me? Yeah. 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 That's what I did. I hung up on you in the middle of telling a good story. That's what I did. I hung up on you <laughs> and I pick right back up. Right. Because I'm not mad, but I hung up on you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, just a temporary reset. Brian Rich, occasionally I, oh, okay, occasionally I call guys I don't know chief, boss, big guy, and it never feels right. Maybe female equivalent is girl, just me or everyone. Yes, occasionally I will, in an email, I'll want to be the person who's like, hey, lady, and then I'll just delete that motherfucker because that doesn't sound right. Like, hey, girly, hey, lady. A lot of girls will address each other as such. I can't, I can't pull it off. Yeah, wrong. and
0: the guys do that too. A hey, big guy, uh, chief, right. boss, boss. What do you want there? You want? To, mm. You know, you ready for your order? Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I f- always forget people's names. I'm just like, hey, what's going on, man? It's good to see you. And I don't, I don't know who the fuck you are, but I'm not going to be a hey, boss. Right.
1: I I experience name amnesia, kind of where I know the person's name, but I for a second am convinced that I might have it wrong, and then I won't use their name. I'm always afraid that I don't know people's names even though I actually pretty much do.
0: Yeah, that's embarrassing when you do call them by the wrong <laughs> name.
1: It is. That it's the worst cuz I know that if someone calls me by the wrong name, then I'm like, you don't know me at all. However, if I call someone by the wrong name, it doesn't mean that. It just means I messed up their name.
0: It's weird though, you know, doing stand up going back to these towns like once a year to like say St. Louis or something like that. People always come up to you, "Dude, you remember me?" You know, now you're like, now you're caught up in this thing. I'm like, uh, now I just go, no, you don't remember. I go, no, I'm sorry. I don't. what well, I was the guy to talk to you in the bar last <laughs> year about the, you know, the, the, the football game. Remember? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Like that. But I just go, no, right off the bat instead of going, wait, I think. And cause yeah. then they get, and people get mad. It's like, sorry, I don't, I don't, right. you know, I didn't just see you five minutes ago. Yeah. But I just right off that. No, I don't, I don't.
1: That's good. Much it's ways. better to do it that way. Yeah. Well, the other day I How went— How could you
0: not remember me? Well, this is only the second time we're mm. meeting, and the first time was three years ago.
1: Okay, well, tell me about—so the. Hey, so I went to a party um, yesterday, and when I first got there, I was, like, quickly introduced to some people, and then later I went up to my friend, and she's like, oh, hey, Allison, did you meet so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Allison, hi, I'm Allison, hi, I'm Allison. Names going by, I'm not catching them. And then one of them's like, we met when you first walked in. But we didn't actually talk. We just shook hands. But I felt a little bit like she was giving me kind of a slightly bitchy vibe. It may have just been her face. But then I felt bad that I hadn't remembered that I met her. But doesn't that happen to you guys?
0: Absolutely. Don't I feel, like feel inter- bad about yeah, that. Yeah,
1: the minute introductions start, my brain shuts off, which is not good. I did not used to be this way.
0: Yeah, I mean, that. that's just, yeah, just get, you know, oh, sorry. Oh, that's right. We did meet. I'm, right. I'm, I'm I just – there's a million things going on. It just took me a while to get here. I, whatever. I just make up some shit. But yeah. to give someone an attitude over that, that's dumb.
1: Right. That's why I feel like maybe she wasn't actually giving me an attitude. Maybe she just is the kind of person where everyone's like, she seems bitchy at first, but she's actually really nice. Maybe. Or maybe she's just a bitch. I don't know. All right. Martin Sampson. I Wish I had a 10 seconds back button for my life to fix mistakes here stuff over would also like a 30 second forward to skip boring stuff. Yes, oftentimes in my car, anytime I'm behind, anytime there's a screen in front of me, I feel like you should be able to just hit the rewind button. So, I'll be in my car and something will happen or I'll hear something on the radio and I'll want to hear it again or see it again and then I'll have to remind myself, "No, this is reality and it's the radio and I can't do that." Like I just assume everything's on Tivo. Right. It's kind of a weird uh result of so many things having rewind
0: um i don't know the 10 second rewind thing it's you know i re i use i'm usually thought out in my things i say or do so i usually don't have that that's good if something's going to be said vicious it i you know it's meant to be said like dealing with hecklers or just a big fight with your spouse or something like that Mm -hmm. when it gets to the point where they're gonna you know i'm gonna say something awful they deserve it
1: (laughs) Rob Jones just me everyone I look at the results every time I wipe I don't know why uh, yeah i did say I look at it pretty often you have to right of course Jim Norton said you have to to make sure you're not sick but I don't really think it's that. I
0: just think. Sick. sick meaning what? Like, I don't know, some wrong color coming out of you. That's, that, it could be a million different colors. Right. The color has nothing to do with it. If there's blood in your stool, that's the only time you have to worry.
1: Maybe that's what he's checking for. But that's not. I feel like looking at the. Looking is just. All right. Who's going to say why we look? Why do you look?
0: Just to know you're done.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: There's right. no. I'm not curious. But it has nothing to do with color. Seriously, it could be – my my son's, you know, changing – I'm still changing his diaper. It's, it's brown one time. It's yellow. It's dark. It's hard, whatever. It's There's nothing wrong. It's just basically what he ate and how it got broken down.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: When he's bleeding from his ass, then I have to question the babysitter.
1: <laughs> Zanera Park. Won't do laundry until I get down to emergency underwear. The older, uglier pairs. Um. I, no, I I do laundry frequently. Because we have a washer-dryer where we live now, so I can. So I'll even – it's not very environmentally conscious, but I'll just even do small loads if I need to. You guys? Do you have have emergency underwear?
0: I got like 40 pairs of underwear, 50 pairs of socks. I got – 20 pairs of pants and I just have them so I don't have to do that much laundry and I just do it I do it like once a month or once every three weeks it's a being
1: on the road thing isn't it
0: yeah well I don't take that much with me, but I just I just know I'm like I don't want to do it all the time so just buy a lot of it and have a bunch of it
1: Mm -hmm. all right you're with Ann says when I stick my hand into a Dyson hand dryer I think that we are one step closer to the Jetsons I haven't had.
2: I love those things.
1: Yeah, I haven't had that particular thought, but I will say that I I hate the ones that are just like a blow dryer on your hands. And then I just feel like, why don't we just have paper towels? But the Dyson ones, even though I'm always a little nervous that somehow it'll cut my hand off, even though that makes no sense, I'm impressed with the g forces of air on your hand.
0: I don't know them. They-
1: oh, they're the they're the
0: dryers and um,
2: the. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, they have them like JFK. They're the ones that you like stick your hands down
0: into and then pull it up. It's called like an air blade. I think I have never even seen it. Oh, oh. They're, they're amazing. It In, so JFK Airport? You're saying?
2: Yeah, they they have them a bunch of places, but they're kind of expensive. So it's like it tends to be like new arenas or like nice airports that have just been built or something like that. But huh. they're they're no, great. I'd,
0: I've never seen them.
1: Yeah, they are. Um, you might think, oh, one of these air dryers to dry my hands. That's just going to leave my hands wet. But these actually dry your hands and. You can see the skin, like, ripple on your hands when it's in there. The the air is coming out so fast. It sounds painful, but it's not. Okay. Um, Jeff Arch 12. When you aren't wearing your shoes, you make sure they are side by side so they don't get lonely. No, I don't do that. I'll I'll kick them off willy-nilly.
0: Yeah. I don't, you know, they have to be near each other, but I don't put them next to each other, lined up perfectly. Right. I just take them off by the front door and just leave them there until I have to put them back on again. No. Oh, that, do
1: you have a shoeless house?
0: That's oh, that's someone who has OCD, I think.
1: Yeah. Sometimes we get those people. Do you, do you not have do you just walk around in bare feet or socks in your socks.
0: house? Socks. Never shoes.
1: Is it to protect the carpets?
0: No, I just uh, I I don't like I I don't like having shoes on if I yeah. if I don't have to.
1: Yeah, actually when I think about it, I tend to only put on shoes right when I'm going to be leaving or if I'm going outside. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah. if I'm just staying home that day, I would never take a shower, get all the way dressed, including shoes, and then just be in the house.
0: No. Shoes are
1: out-leaving-the-house-only kind of situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Same with pants. Okay. Um, Boinkety-boink. My 15-year-old self will always be a more dynamic and interesting interior decorator than my 25, 35, and now 40-year-old selves. I definitely put a lot more care into my poster situation when I was 15. I had a lot of different posters. I spent a lot of time figuring out where to put – even in college, each dorm room, I spent a lot of time figuring out how to decorate it. Now I have barely – I don't have hardly anything up on my walls, which is kind of depressing.
0: Yeah, I I, I was the same way. I used to always have the room with the posters, you know. When I was sixteen or seventeen, yeah. and then you know, but then yeah, and then I was like, there was nothing on the wall. I'm like, no, it's perfect. I don't want to clutter it. Mm-hmm. Even now, I got a big basement and I got a bunch of stuff, but I just don't put any of that stuff up to bear. It's easier that way.
1: Well, for me, it is because I feel like I move a lot, and it's just, it's just a pain dealing with all of it. I don't move that often actually, but like I'm not a homeowner right. yet, so we're renting. And then I think it's maybe it's, but I don't, you know. We do want to buy a house eventually, so maybe it's just easier this way. I don't know. What's your reason for not putting stuff on walls?
0: Lazy. My wife does it upstairs. You know, she'll always change colors. You know, like every month, I guess, is a new color. I Mm -hmm. didn't know that. (laughs) You know, she buys like dish towels, like Halloween, like orange dish towels, but that's only for Halloween.
1: Seasonal towels. So I didn't know.
0: Like, you know, yeah, little uh, towel. But so you can't put it out any other time. Like you can't use it in August. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. Like if I need a dish towel to keep, you know, to wash when I wash my hands. Right. No, you can't put that out. That's not the season. Last year we missed it. We forgot it. it goes now. We got to wait another year to use the <laughs> towel. We only have that one month window. We can use yeah. that orange towel a little up to Thanksgiving, but then after that, we got to be put away.
1: No, you'll get laughed out of the neighborhood. Now, where does she keep the? the- the towels that are just waiting their turn they're a special in this seasonal in the, no, towel they're closet? In the,
0: no they're in the towel closet so i just grab any right it's almost like the suit too i've only owned like three suits in my whole life and whenever i go for a suit like every eight years <laughs> i go i want a suit that i can wear in january in a blizzard and i want one that i can wear in august in when it's 90 degrees out give me one of those do I'm they have a, one
1: of those oh yeah yeah or an like all-weather yeah. suit yeah
0: I'm not. I'm not wearing a. I don't have a summer suit and a winter yeah. suit in the fall. Just give me the one I can fucking wear whenever, which I only wear once every three years
1: for what a wedding or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. I um. I am that rare person who will use the Christmas coffee mugs year round, and people are very upset by that. I feel like there are a lot of people who want to keep it seasonal items only during that season, and I feel like. It's a great coffee mug. I don't care.
0: Right. If you got a good, a great coffee Mm -hmm. mug, then you're going to use it all the time. Why do I got to put it away so I can only use it for a couple months? Right. And then I got to use a shitty mug and wait for Christmas. That's dumb. That's why I don't like dishwashers either. Fucking, you know, you got a favorite dish or a bowl or a spoon or something like that, and then it sits in there for a week until it fills up. So then you can't use it for a week. Right. I rinse it out right there. I use it again.
1: Interesting. No
0: reason for dishwashers and no reason for dining rooms and houses. No, this isn't 1940. People aren't coming over anymore for fucking meals and getting dressed up. I, Get rid of dining rooms. It's a waste. It, you Just just fucking, you know, corner it off with like police tape because nobody goes in there. You never use it. It's a waste of a room.
1: I enjoy the dishwasher because I hate hand washing dishes, but I agree. Dining rooms, total waste of space. We have a puppy now, and so the the – there's various, like, sectioning off of the different rooms because, you know, he had, he can go here, but this isn't puppy-proofed yet or whatever. So the dining room now is um, – we ran out of those gates. So now we just have a giant cardboard box that a full-length mirror came in, and we use that on one side. And then the other side has, like, a bunch of crud, like, a, a, piled up against the door or a bunch of books and things so he won't get in there. But anyway, the point is – we we ha we no longer can access the dining room, and every now and then I peer into it like oh this is a this is a long lost room in our house, but we haven't missed it at all
0: no, I know make the laundry room bigger, take yes. the dining room out in the square footage and make the laundry room bigger you always use, you could use a big laundry room
1: true, yeah, it's always like the door is always banging into me in the laundry room, yeah, you're right, you're right you should build you should you should introduce this idea to um house builders get
0: man caves out and dining rooms out of the right. house
1: right gary do you guys have a dining room
0: um no
2: i think the area i live in was intended to be a dining room oh
1: really well that's we, good it's then. a
2: split level house so we think that like one level was supposed to be like a dining area and the other level is supposed to be like a recreational like couch area we're, we're not really sure
1: do you still have a sensory deprivation tank in your bathroom no
2: they took it out before i moved in actually
1: oh that's nice what did they turn it into
2: Oh, well, the sensory deprivation tank just left, and now I just have, like, the world's biggest bathroom, and they put, like, a, a smallish piece of furniture in there. What is it? It's like a I, – I A don't know, like settee? A, it's like a credenza. It's like – just like a high, you know, cabinet thing with gotcha. drawers.
1: Isn't it weird that there was a, dep- a sensory deprivation tank that yeah. no one had bobbed around in for years in his bathroom? There's something creepy and sort of, like, cocoon about that.
2: Yeah, it was a creepy thing. It was giant. I mean, it took up a lot of space. It was like eight feet long by like four feet wide. Wow. And like five feet tall.
1: Have you ever been in one of those? No. Neither have I. Joe Rogan is a big fan. I feel like I would freak out. I-, I need um to not have my senses deprived.
2: I don't know. I yeah. I doesn't really sound that fun to me. I'd probably try it if there was one that was I would try clean it. and whatever, but mm-hmm. I wasn't going in the one that was really dirty that they weren't gonna pay to have cleaned. Yeah, that's sure. gross. Yeah.
1: Good call, I think. It sounds like something that would result in the moldy, yeasty situation. Yeah. On that fun note, thank you so much for doing my show, Jim. Thanks Quarantine. for having me on. I
0: appreciate it.
1: Let's plug all the things and tell people where they can find you. On Twitter, you are?
0: Twitter, Mr. Jim Florentine. Was
1: there someone who was Jim Florentine? Yeah. Yeah
0: and then we had to get it removed and I just never went back and got So no big deal.
1: So you're Mr. Jim Florentine on Twitter and your website?
0: Website is jimflorentine.com and that metal show that we do, the talk show, is a new season starting June 1st on VH1 Classic and I do a uh, podcast every week called Comedy Metal Midgets. You can get it on iTunes. Go to my website jimflorentine.com you can download it there for free.
1: Mm -hmm. And in terms of stand-up dates, do you travel around and do those all the time? And so your dates are on your website Yeah, dates are
0: on the website, Kansas City, all, yeah, I go to different cities i'm all over the place mm-hmm.
1: cool thank you so much thanks for, for doing having me. this this was this was super fun um and thank you guys so much for listening if you're gonna buy something on amazon which you are because they have everything i i don't even i don't even leave my house anymore to shop i just do it online
0: i love amazon but now these freaking stupid senators are trying to get a tax yeah yeah, don't do that. No. Yeah, I, so, just, I bought a lawnmower on Amazon. See? I a Toro lawnmower for a thousand dollars. I
1: love that. And then it just gets delivered.
0: Delivered for free. Yeah. It's beautiful.
1: Perfect. Um yeah, so get on there before these, these damn senators do their thing Anyway, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, um, why not click through the banner on my website, allisonrosen.com. It does not cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show. You can follow me on Twitter at allisonrosen. You can follow Gary at gpatricksmith. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at a-r-i-y-m-b-f. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. Bye.
3: Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? go. And rules and shows.